Hi, I'm Bruce Weinstein, and this is the podcast Cooking with Bruce and Mark. And I'm Mark Scarborough, and together Bruce and I have written 34 cookbooks, are writing their 35th cookbook, including the Instapot Bible and the Essential Air Fryer Cookbook. And today's episode is the third part of a four-part series that we've been doing titled what? So You Want to Write a Cookbook. It sounds like So You Want to, so You Think You Can Dance. No, I can't dance. I don't even think I can dance. <laughs> I could cook. But neither I can't the, dance. Neither can most of those people on that show. Anyway, so you want to write a cookbook, and then we've gone over questions about ideas and what ideas you need to have and platforms and all that. And today, we're on a very specific part of writing a cookbook. Well, we're going to talk about actually what I do as the chef in the kitchen. We're going to write kitchen work. For those of you who don't know, in our team, Mark is the writer and I'm the chef. And so my part of writing the books mostly takes place in the kitchen. And we should add, and let me just add right here, that because we're a team in so many ways and work on these books, we split this between kitchen and writing. But if you're writing a cookbook, most likely you're doing both of these tasks together, cooking and writing. So this is just the cooking task, right? This is just the cooking task. And it's actually not just cooking. It's shopping (laughs) and cooking Uh. and cleaning up Uh. and putting groceries away. I want to say that when we are in high cookbook mode and Bruce has finished up with high cookbook mode for a book that we're writing and I'm now in the middle of that mode for writing, um, when he's in the height of kitchen work, he goes to the store all the time. Yeah, I might be at the supermarket every day sometimes. And we live very rurally. It is a long schlep to a supermarket, and he's gone, oh, yeah, I I guess you, on average, are gone five days a week yeah. out of seven. And it's not because of poor planning, and we're going to talk about that. It's yeah. just because of the volume, because we don't tend to write books that have, like, 75 recipes, and well, that you have six months to write them. We have books that have 300 and 350 recipes, and we have six months to write them. But I think the advice that we're about to give works for any cookbook, Absolutely. no matter what you're writing. This is, this is the advice. So what is your first piece of advice? So the first thing is before you even start to map out what kind of recipes you want to do, I want you to think about expanding your pantry staples. So you probably always have flour. Maybe you even have bread flour. You probably have ketchup and you have mustard. Maybe you have soy sauce. Maybe you even keep a chutney in the house in Worcestershire. That's the bottom. Now you need to go to the store and walk through the condiments aisle. And I want you to think about having in your pantry different flavored Worcestershires, different flavored hot sauce, something with chipotles. Get a can of chipotles. Get some pickled jalapenos. Get some barbecue sauce. Get all sorts of things you might not have thought that you would normally use because these are ingredients that you may find will just kick up your cooking flavor and give you a little help in terms of creativity. Right. And so what we're saying here, of course, applies to anybody. You know, it's hard to have any extra money in the time of COVID. I understand that many people have furloughed. The unemployment situation is horrific in in the country. But at any time, if you have a little extra money when you go in the supermarket, my advice to you, even if you're not writing a cookbook, is find one thing that you wouldn't necessarily buy and buy it. So like, you know, you walk down the aisle and a jar of let's say corn salsa catches your eye, buy it. What the heck? If you have a few extra dollars, buy it, take it home. But this applies even because you'll expand your culinary experience, but this applies even bigger to writing a cookbook. Because Mark just even made the suggestion of one item, say a corn salsa or a corn relish. Now, instantly my mind starts thinking about what can I do with that? I can imagine spooning that over a fish fillet and wrapping it in foil and cooking it in the oven at 500 degrees or throwing it on the grill to sort of have a cooked in in packet fish with uh, corn salsa. 
Very simple, very quick and easy. Probably we take a few more ingredients, maybe some chives, maybe some shredded carrots. Right. But right. it's the idea of what you could do with these things. Maybe you're not a person who likes jelly on their toast in the morning, so you never go down that aisle. But let me tell you, if you keep some orange marmalade and some fig jam and maybe some black currant jelly in the fridge when you're testing recipes, well, there's so many ways to use yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I think it also depends on the kind of book you're writing. I mean, obviously, if you're writing the banana cookbook, you don't need barbecue sauce. At least I don't think you need barbecue oh, I'm thinking, sauce. I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? Barbecue banana tamales. Oh. Gross. Um, so I, I don't think you probably need barbecue sauce, but that still it still applies that you should always think about what's in the supermarket. And even if you're not writing a cookbook, honestly, so you go down the frozen food aisle, and so you know you see a package of I don't know. Bruce recently found these frozen oh god these frozen onion rings that are so great in the air fryer because they're not overly bready. They're super crunchy. You found this brand, yeah, right? You just Alexa, picked it up. I love them. And what? And because I picked it up, just because I saw them, and it was a new brand I hadn't seen before. Mark had this brilliant idea oh. of after we ate them with burgers one night for dinner, oh. he said. Why don't you see if you could turn these into nachos in the air fryer? <laughs> and we ended up putting that recipe in the air fryer book. So I cooked the onion rings till they were crispy, opened the drawer, dumped on cheese and, and salsa, closed the drawer for another two And minutes. there's a video of that on yeah, our YouTube channel, is. Cooking with Bruce and Mark, which we have. And there's videos of all kinds of recipes on there that Bruce has shot. And you can see us making onion ring nachos. Okay, so expand your pantry staples. Uh, figure out more about what you can get in the supermarket before you even start writing the book because this stuff at home can spur creativity. And that works for even if you're not writing a book. And so what's the second thing you have The to second know? thing is to plan for your shopping ahead of time. Don't just go into the right. store. Now, I had you go in the store before and wander around looking for new items. Now you have recipes in mind. You know you're going to be working on two or three different chicken dishes. So go to the store to buy the ingredients for that. And don't go for more than three or four recipes at a time because you'll get way too much stuff. Yeah. Um, things may go bad before yeah. you get a chance to use it. Yeah. And you shouldn't overwhelm yourself with trying to think about too many things I, at once. I just think about this time, um, and it, you know, this is counter this advice. But we years ago we were writing a party drink book, and we went. We were living in Manhattan at the time, and we went down to Astor Place Liquor, and we stocked up. We bought two supermarkets full of giant bottles of vodka <laughs> and rum, and you know, I mean, these giant that can serve a football league bottles of all this stuff and also all kinds of fuzzy liqueurs and creme de banana and you know the whole bit because we were writing this party drink book right and so as we were checking out the woman at the checkout counter asked us if we were having a party and i just i swear to god i dead looked her in the eye and i said no why <laughs> like <laughs> no this, this is a week's shopping for us well let me so, also but, wait let me say that when all of that stuff came to our house and we were writing this party drink book and we had all that in our Manhattan apartment in our, what did we have, three feet of kitchen counter space? Basically. And yeah. it took up all the space. It actually was overwhelming. It was overwhelming just to look at it. It kind of, mm -hmm. we kind of reached this point where we were like, oh no, what do we do with all of this liquor? And I think Bruce's suggestion is, is the same, even if you're not writing a cookbook. I think that sometimes when people shop for a week or 10 days of food, they overwhelm themselves. 
easily. Sure. I think so, because you look at it all and you think, oh my God, I got to cook all this? There is a scientific proof that if you have too many options, you can't make a decision. Right. That's I mean, right. That is absolutely proven. So you don't want to give yourself too many options at a time. And I want to say something about, about ingredients. When Mark said you know, we wrote a drink books, so we went to the liquor store. Mm. If you are writing a cookbook, if that did come to fruition, you get to write a cookbook, Think about something that you're going to use in that book a lot of. Like, for instance, we wrote a peanut butter book. We used a lot of peanut butter. We wrote a shrimp book. We knew we'd write, we would use a lot of shrimp. Right. And I contacted peanut butter manufacturers. I contacted shrimp supply companies. People who are in the industry are often very willing to help give you product so that you don't have to buy it all. And it helps make it a little easier for you. Yeah. We uh, have a media agent friend who once said to us that, Product is easy. Sponsorship is hard. Right. They're it's, not going to give you money, but they'll, they'll give you product. Listen, manufacturers are looking to give away product. I should say that when uh, we live in rural New England and our kitchen is courtesy of KitchenAid. And we have all KitchenAid appliances in our kitchen thanks to KitchenAid for sending them because, again, it's product. And they know what we do for a living and they know what our kitchen's going to look like and they know it's going to be in photo shoots yep. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So product is easy. And we've never once been paid no. to do anything for KitchenAid. We've never been a KitchenAid spokesperson or a Whirlpool spokesperson. That stuff is hard. You, the product is easy. So if you're going to write the help, I don't know, the lemon cookbook, contact the, there's got to be a U.S. lemon board. There is a lemon board, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. Contact them. See if they'll put you in touch with a grower who'd be willing to send you a case of lemons for yep. your cookbook. That, that stuff can happen quite easily. So um, don't be afraid to ask because the worst that'll happen is someone will tell you no. I think that's the thing. And I, I want to stop because I think that's the thing for me. I'm, 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 I'm the Southerner. Bruce is the New Yorker. And one of the things I've learned from Bruce is the worst thing because, you know, as a Southerner, I don't ever want to impose myself on anyone and all that crap. Anyway, but the worst thing for me is that is that I feel like I'm imposing somebody, but Bruce has really helped me learn that the worst anyone can say is no. That's the worst. They're not going to hate you. They're not going <laughs> to... You know, it's not going to come back and haunt you or no. hurt you. The worst Ex they're going to do is say no. a good Southerner, that no will haunt you in and your dreams. don't take the first no as a final no. <laughs> I have had to hound people oh, for certain things, but you hounding. eventually got them. Did I not eventually get everything I've wanted? Um, you get a lot of stuff, and it is you're you're right that the worst that can ever happen is that someone says no. And this even you should even hold this to be the truth when you pitch a cookbook idea. Yeah. The worst that can happen is the agent says no, right. or the editor says no. That's the worst. So that's the worst. So go on, get you know. It's bad. And yeah, you got to lick your wounds. But then get up. Go, go. God, do what we do. Go get another no. Now, let me tell you this. Um, when you're thinking about your ideas, remember we talked in the first episode about having ideas and trying to come up with a new twist on them. If those ideas can tie eventually to a manufacturer, to the lemon board, to a company that makes a particular product, that's not a bad idea. Because no. they will give you, most likely, some product to work with when you're testing recipes, and you might be able to get them to help promote the book. Yeah. Well, I, let me throw an example in here that is from us. Uh, years ago, back in the day when people were writing these kind of books, which they don't really write anymore, I really badly wanted to write the Nut Bible. I really wanted to write this whole compendium, this beautiful, large format, as they say in the publishing industry, trim size, large trim size. A coffee table. Glossy book. pages. Well, 
well, not maybe coffee table, but glossy pages, thick, large trim on nuts. They're everything you could ever want to know at nuts. How to even eat acorns. Yes, you can, believe it or not, but it takes a lot of work. But hazelnuts, you know, the whole thing. I wanted to go down the whole nut road. And I discovered that it was impossible and no publisher would touch it. And here's why. You want to know why? It's so fascinating to me because all of the nuts have their own commodity board, the pecan board, the almond board, the hazelnut board, the walnut board, and those boards hate each other. And no, well, their competition. nobody would touch it because you can't get the pecan board to back a book that has walnuts and hazelnuts in it. And you can't get hazelnut board to back a book that has walnuts and pecans in it because these people all don't like each other. And quite honestly, who wants to just buy the hazelnut book? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could, but I was so into this notion of nuts and nut oils and cooking with nut oils and cooking with nuts and blah, 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 blah and it, in the end, it wouldn't work because we couldn't figure out how to make a nut Bible work so that any manufacturer or commodity board would actually be interested in helping us promote right. the book. Okay, so let, we've talked about all that. So what's the third tip So here? this is really important. So now you're in the kitchen. You're going to start testing recipes. You have to stick to one version of a recipe at a time. So let's say you have this idea this for... This is really big, because I think this is how people think cookbooks are written, yeah. and you're going to say the opposite. So let's say you have an idea for an Italian chicken stew, right? Okay. And you're thinking, hmm, it might be good with olives, but it also might be good if I used mixed bell peppers, but maybe it'd be better if I did like basil and garlic. Right. So what a lot of people would think you do is you test all three, right? You're going to make all three. You shouldn't do that. You should test one. Come up with one thing that you think why? is going to work. Why? Because there's a number of reasons. The first is they're probably all too similar to put them all in the book, right? So you're only going to use one of them. So there's no point in wasting your time and your money on ingredients to test three recipes when you only need one. So make one that you think will be the best in your mind. Well, that one's really, like the garlic and basil sounds really good. Make it. See what it's like. If you think, hmm, you know, I like that, but maybe it should have peppers, then you can make it again adding peppers. Let's say you made it and you said, no, this is so great. It just should have been spicier. Well, then you know what? You don't even need to retest it because you could just add chili flakes okay, to it. And let me add to this the reason that this is so crucial to the testing process is because if you have four, and I'm going to change the parameters here. Let's say you're going to make four shrimp curries. And this one's going to be made with yellow curry powder, and this is going to be made with a homemade blend of curry powder, and this is going to be made with, I don't know, leeks, and this one's going to be made with onions, and this one's going to have peanuts, and this one, etc. You're going to make four curry, right, shrimp curries? When you taste them, you are going to have distinct palate fatigue. Well, that's a good point. You are not going to be able to get through all four and make an adequate judgment on all four. You're going to make a snap judgment because your palate is going to be heavily fatigued. So what do you do? If, let's say you, you, you don't have enough time in writing your book to just do one recipe at a day. So Mark's right. You can get palate fatigue by tasting four curries. So make a chicken curry and make a fried chicken and make a beef stir fry and make a quiche. So you're tasting different things. Your palate right. will stay fresh. When we write, uh, when we've written our Instant Pot books, the, the kicker here has been chili. Chilies are so hard because, of course, any Instant Pot book is going to have many chilies in it. Turkey chili, chicken chili, name it. I don't know, brisket chili, which we do have. Mm -hmm. Name it in many different ways. But you just can't eat up 
ton of chili on a single day. No, you can't. Because then by the time you've tasted the third, they all taste the same. They all, oh. And you're not going to know if the second one would have been better with more oregano because the third one had too much cumin. And then the last one, well, the bitter edge from the beer, you can appreciate those subtleties more within a category like chili when you're only doing one at a time. So we've been over three things about expanding your pantry staples. Well, four things. Expanding your pantry staples, planning your head for shopping, uh, don't test more than one recipe, think about how manufacturers can help. And now I want to say something, and this is kind of my edge on this, rather than Bruce's down and dirty work in the kitchen, and that is to start creative and then think structurally about the book. And this is how we always work. Explain that. Um, so what happens is, let's say uh, we wrote, well, we did write the book Vegetarian Dinner Party, so let's start there. We wrote this book all about how to make completely vegetarian and vegan food that is completely high-end dinner party worthy. Um, I actually love that book, and I <laughs> love the recipes in that book. Um, I think it's basically my favorite book that we've ever written. But um, So we started there, and I, what we did is what we do in every book. Bruce just basically went into the kitchen and had free play to make anything he liked. Starter, dessert, appetizer, salad, main courses, it doesn't matter. Just start playing around and making stuff. So after he had made, I don't know, let's pretend 20 recipes. I don't actually know the number here. 20 recipes. Then we stopped. We looked at what we had, what had come through testing okay, and now we started to think structurally about the book. We started to think, okay, now we see that we've got, mm, I don't know, three pasta main courses, so we really need to go light on the pasta main courses. Or we've got salads that have fruit in them, so we need no more salads with fruit for a bit. We need to think about salads with vegetables. Or, right At that point, we can start to think structurally about the book. So my advice is and Bruce can comment on this, is to start creative and then later think structurally. Yeah, it's in our case, because there are two of us and Mark is sort of not terribly busy at the beginning of the process. Mm, He's mostly just tasting. He's actually a really... That's work. That's hard work. (laughs) He's actually a really good balance and foil for me there because he could keep track of kind of the structure of what's happening under and behind me because yes all i'm thinking about are flavors and all i'm thinking about are dishes i want to do and i'm being as creative as i can and i'm not paying attention to no. did i do too many salads no. did i do too many soups so he'll be able to stop and say wait oh, that's really delicious but enough like i that. should say that let me just say that we're bruce is done with writing the next instant pot book which is instant pot bible the next generation and we're in the middle of writing it right now and uh it's due in just a few weeks to the publisher and uh, it's a giant, giant book. The manuscript's going to crest out at like 1,200 pages, and it's a giant book. But uh, Bruce's favorite way to cook, I would say, if this is fair, is is Chinese, particularly Sichuan cooking. If he just is left to his own devices, although recently he's been very Korean-focused. <laughs> but um, if he's left to his own devices, he loves cooking Sichuan-style dishes. Um, And he's very obsessive about his techniques and his ingredients and learning how to cook real Sichuan food and make real dumplings and roll out real wrappers and the whole bit. Okay, that's all great. But when we had come to the end of a whole batch of recipe testing in the book, including a whole bunch of pasta dishes for the – Instant Pot Bible and, Next and this is the And this is the part where I was given free reign. Right. Yeah. And when we came in, I said to him, you know what? There's absolutely no Asian noodles. We have no Asian noodles <laughs> in this whole book. How is 
that possible that you would create a set of recipes without Asian noodles? Now, this this book has 350 recipes, and so maybe we were 200 recipes in. So we had plenty of room to play. But this way, I could now say, okay, structurally, what we're going to have to have is a set of five, six, seven um, Sichuan, Korean, Asian, Vietnamese noodle dishes to round out this pasta chapter. And therefore, we could think structurally once he had been through the kind of creative rigor of yeah, working on it. Yeah. So start creatively. Don't overwhelm yourself with too many of one kind of recipe at a time. Um, plan out your shopping. Don't overdo it. But before you even begin the recipes, take a stroll through the supermarket um, when, you know, with your mask, if you're doing it now while we're still in COVID lockdown, and explore new ingredients. Even look online. Go through some online food sources and see if there's Get yourself some smoked olive oil and some whiskey barrel aged fish sauce and some wow. habanero salsa. You are writing a high end book. Suddenly. Okay, but there these will help you think <laughs> outside outside of your normal routine, so that right. you can create some really fabulous. Right. and stuff. I should say, let me just say one more thing before I know we're running long. But let me just say one more thing before we're going long. When you think about writing a cookbook, you should think: Where is this cookbook sold? Where? In your world, will this cookbook be for sale? And honestly, every time we write an Instant Pot book, which now we're writing our third, right? Our third Instant Pot book? Where every time we write an Instant Pot book, my head is completely at target. Yeah. And I can tell you, there is no whiskey barrel aged soy sauce at target. And I can promise you, there is no whiskey barrel aged <laughs> soy sauce called for. In the Instant Pot Bible, the next generation. That's right. Think about where you want your book sold. Do you want it sold at Walmart? Do you want it sold at Target? Do you want it sold at... It doesn't mean it will be. Do you want it sold at Williams-Sonoma? Do you want it sold at, well, now the bankrupt Sir Top? <laughs> Do you want it sold at... Is it a memoir thing? So you want it more bookstore-oriented, like a local independent bookstore is a memoir with recipes? You have to think about where exactly would that book sell the best and for us right now we think a lot about target uh, yeah. but we let me just tell you that when we thought it, when we wrote vegetarian dinner parties i thought about william sonoma that's what which I is thought. why in that book i'm able to call for things like agar agar right and smoked olive oil right. and all of that that's right okay cool if you've enjoyed this podcast please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode and wherever you get your podcasts from give us a five-star rating it really helps Please give us that rating, please, sir. And check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under our own names. Bruce is on Instagram as Bruce A. Weinstein. Otherwise, our own names. And it's Scarborough, not Scarborough like England, but bro without a middle O. Uh, you can check us out there. And we would be glad and thrilled to connect with you. And we will see you next time on Cooking with Bruce and Mark.